This is MPN. Welcome to Movie Matchup. I'm Casey. And I'm Grace. A podcast where we talk in-depth about two movies with a common theme, and at the end, we'll talk about menu items you can enjoy while having your movie marathon. Grace, what is this week's theme? This week's theme is not a Christmas movie. Yay! Yay! <laughs> uh, and our first movie uh, in our pairing is The Thin Man from 1934. And the plot is the story of a retired detective who, while spending much of his time managing his wife's considerable fortune and consuming large quantities of alcohol, is asked to follow the trail of a missing inventor. Although reluctant to interrupt his holiday in Manhattan, he is persuaded to investigate by his wife's craving for adventure, and together they embark upon a case that leads to the disclosure of deception and murder. Ooh. Uh, And our second movie is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And the plot synopsis for that one is two-bit crook Harry Lockhart stumbles into an audition for a mystery film while on the run from the cops. Winning the part, he lands in Hollywood where he's flung into a tangled murderous conspiracy with his childhood sweetheart, Harmony Lane, and hard-boiled private eye, Perry Van Shrike. (laughs) Um, right? So, The Thin Man, I watched this on HBO Max. I don't know how you watched it. I rented it it from Amazon Prime, um, because I did not know it was on HBO Max. This is why you should always check everywhere, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, it's a good movie, so if it got a little bit of money. I need to know where to check for those things, because I just, I look it up on my fire, if, you know, where, uh, look the movie up and... Uh, I think sometimes they miss if uh, if it's streaming on on certain apps. So, yeah, Ryan has. What? Yeah, what do you do? <laughs> Ryan has an app. Like I go through because I don't have the app on my phone. I go through every single service <laughs> on the iPad. But Ryan uses Just Watch, the app Just okay. Watch, and they tell him usually like where you can you can find it. Oh, so at the oh okay yeah you you select which services you have and then it'll tell you if it's on any of those services. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, good to know. Well, also, I'm happy because as I was watching The Thin Man, I enjoyed it so much. I was like, I want to rewatch this for the holiday season, um, but I rented it. So I was like, I guess I can buy it, but now I know it's on HBO Max. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and now I want to watch, like, the sequels and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so The Thin Man, and I guess with both of the movies today, like, you know, wanted to put them together because they take place at Christmas time, even though they're not Christmas movies. And they're two movies yeah. about, like, you know, detectives are privatized, like, solving a murder case. Yeah. Very. And both uh, kind of center around a couple, too. Uh, it's, it, there's, there's more in common than we realized when we chose these two movies to pair up. Yes. They're also <laughs> very funny, the two of them. Like, there's... Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. All right. So, uh, The Thin Man starts off. Uh, with Dorothy going to see her inventor father, Clyde Wynett. As they, it, says like, it looks like Wynett, but they keep saying Wynett every time. So anyway, um, she announces her engagement to a man named Tommy. Her father um, has a secret out-of-town mission, but will be back before December 30th to walk her down the aisle. And we also find out that her parents are divorced, and he is having a relationship with his secretary, Julia. So then, um, wanting to give his daughter a wedding present... 
uh, Mr. Wynett goes to his safe and notices that $50,000 worth of bonds are missing. So he can... Which, oh. Can I just say that's a lot more money than I would have expected for this... Like, when was this movie made? 1934. 1934. Like, $50,000. That's a whole lot of money. <laughs> like, even today, that's a lot of money. And I'm shocked that, like... That's how much they they uh, had in that movie. I would have expected it to be less. That's all. <laughs> would you not expect to get fifty grand from your from <laughs> yeah, your parents no. when you? <laughs> like, man, that guy's loaded. <laughs> he did not seem so. <laughs> okay, so in nineteen thirty four, fifty thousand dollars. So today, that would be nine hundred and seventy one thousand one hundred and ninety four dollars and three cents. So, yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. A lot of money. Okay. (laughs) I guess being an inventor really. Right. It really pays off for him. I guess. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, he wants to give her 50 grand that's, like, missing from the the safe. So, he confronts Julia, who has been skimming off the top and is entertaining a man named Morelli at her apartment when he shows up. And then on top of that, a mysterious man calls Julia on the phone, but when Wynette answers, the man on the phone doesn't respond. So Wynette learns uh, that Julia had a partner in stealing the bonds, and Wynette thinks he has a pretty good idea of who took them, and he's going to do something about it, but it's, you know, very mysterious. So you don't know, It's just, and then he just walks into the night. So yeah. <laughs> you know nothing bad will happen. <laughs> So then it's Christmas Eve, and Dorothy's concerned because her father is missing. We meet former detective Nick Charles, his wealthy wife Nora, and their mischievous dog Asta. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> <laughs> They're really great. And yeah. I could relate to the misbehaving dog as she <laughs> enters carrying Christmas presents and he is just pulling her. <laughs> Whatever so. do you mean, Casey? <laughs> yeah, it's not like my dog has knocked me down in that exact same way. Um, but yes, yeah, so we meet him and he has this, he's like teaching the bar staff or like educating the bar staff about how you shake a cocktail, mm-hmm. which I've never heard before. You must always have rhythm in your shaking. Now in Manhattan, you shake to a foxtrot, a Bronx to a two-step time, the dry martini you always shake to waltz time. This won't help me since I don't know how to dance, but that may help you in some way. Foxtrot's fast, I believe. No, it doesn't really help me. But anyway, moving on. (laughs) Uh, So while no one has seen Wynette, he's supposedly back in New York. Uh, Now that he's back, Dorothy's mom, Mimi, is desperate to squeeze more money out of him. And her new husband, Chris, played by Cesar Romero, is poor, but he's going to do something risky to get some cash. So again, it's the, I'm going to do something, and then they just leave. I do have to say, I was a little confused at first, because I maybe it's just me. I felt like the wife and the girlfriend looked very similar. Oh, my so gosh. We were watching the girlfriend at first, and it took me a while to realize that it was actually the ex-wife. Yeah, there are so many women. Like, Nunheim's girlfriend also, like, they yeah. all are, like, blonde with the exact same haircut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes yeah. so uh, yeah i had the the same problem i also want to point out the there are some great uh dresses in this movie for the women yeah and the wife in this scene is wearing like this like black sheep dress with like with like tight sleeves until like the very end but it's not like just a bell sleeve it's like 
it's like down almost to her knee because like the sleeve drags and and it's like fur trim it's like all sleeve this dress is just like look at these <laughs> anyway i really enjoyed it <laughs> well now you can make yourself one yeah that's true <laughs> So Mimi goes to Julia's to try and get uh, the sum of Wynette's money, but instead finds Julia dead. The man who had called her on the phone earlier is like lingering around uh, her apartment, is lingering around her apartment building. So again, like mysterious men just doing mm-hmm. stuff in this movie. So then the police question Mimi, and uh, Chris, her husband, sneaks away. The coroner says that the body has been touched and that something has been taken from her hand. So then we find out Mimi did not tell the police, but what she she actually did find in Julia's hand was Wynette's watch chain. So she took it, (laughs) thinking it could help her out more, uh, that she could blackmail him for some money. So now that that happened, both Mimi and Dorothy think that Wynette killed Julia. Then Nick and Nora are having a holiday party. The radio says that Julia used to be a mobster's gal. Dorothy arrives and tells Nick that she shot Julia to try and cover for her father just with all the wrong information. Yeah, no. Just <laughs> just like asking her questions. And you'd think she would have caught on that like, okay, he's asking me questions about things he knows about, so making up the answers probably isn't going to help. <laughs> she just keeps going. <laughs> oh, so then, um, oh. Oh, there is a great moment here where she sort of falls into his arms like in tears. And, yes, uh, and Nora c- comes into the room, and it, it 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 plays out exactly like you would expect her to be upset, like like oh he's getting close with this young girl, mm-hmm. but he just rolls his eyes at his wife, and and she rolls her eyes back. <laughs> yeah. She just like makes a face at him. Yeah, I really enjoy their relationship. That yeah. there's no jealousy there at all. Like they're yeah. very comfortable in their relationship, but they're also kind of just constantly insulting one another. You know, but like not like terribly. <laughs> just yeah. And they just drink constantly. Yes. (laughs) It's great. Yeah. So then just as more people crash the party, so Mimi arrives at the party uh, asking Nick to find Wynette. And then Gilbert, her brother also, and Mimi's son also comes to the party and starts talking to people. Gilbert's freaking weird. <laughs> yeah, he is. Like, he just wants to, he just, like, wants to see the body and just, like, look at it. Just, like, for educational purposes. Like, everything is just sort of to learn more, but he's just sort of detached in, like, a weird way that he just, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then the mysterious man who was hanging out at Julia's apartment and that had called her earlier, he calls Nick on the phone uh, and he wants to talk to him about Julia, but someone else, like, hangs up the phone so he doesn't. He doesn't get to set up the meeting. And then, and the separate thing. So there's just balloons on the Christmas tree? I did not notice that. <laughs> there are. <laughs> okay, because later he's also shooting, like in a scene later, he's like shooting them with a the little like gun that he got oh, for Christmas. Right, he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you, <laughs> they just put balloons, like decorations on the Christmas tree, which I thought was very odd. And they re-put them on because the party guests are popping them for some reason and then he's huh. shooting them on Christmas morning. I just never heard of that before. So, no, that sounds fun though. We should do that. Yeah, just like you know, when when Christmas parties are a thing again, we should put balloons on the tree and like you know, just pop them for when we're celebrating or whatever. <laughs> you could even make a game out of it. You could probably put stuff yeah. inside the balloons. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're bringing it back. 
Yes. <laughs> I don't know if it was ever actually a thing or if it's just this movie, but we're bringing it back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this movie made those little glasses famous also. The little glasses that they drink out of that like are like deeper than a coupe, but um, they're not they're, like, you know, curved. Unlike a martini glass, the little tiny glasses oh. that they're drinking out of. Those are called Nick and Nora glasses. Like if you want to oh. buy them, they're Nick and Nora glasses. So just, yeah. There we go. Oh, so then uh, Nora asks him about the case. She says, you know, that sounds like an interesting case. Why don't you take it? And he says, I haven't the time. I'm much too busy seeing that you don't lose any of that money that I married you for. <laughs> like that. So they're like that with one another. Very cute. Yeah. <laughs> they have separate beds, just like an I Love Lucy. And Nora proposes again, like taking the case, like just for fun. And then Morelli, the mobster from earlier, who's in Julia's apartment, <laughs> just shows up with a gun. <laughs> saying that he's in their bedroom while they're like getting ready for bed <laughs> yes he just pulls a gun on them to make the point that he did not kill someone right he's he's like i'm i am a very trustworthy person that's why i've broken into your apartment and i'm holding you the gunpoint <laughs> yeah in an innocent man <laughs> yeah so he didn't kill julia he says that ninheim is trying to pin it on him the police arrive <laughs> Nick knocks, or he, like, Nick fights with Morelli, knocks out Nora. Yeah, he, like, punches her, straight up punches her in the face in order to get her out of the line of fire, which, like, okay. He's, like, trying (laughs) to grab the pillow, I feel like. It's, like, a weird thing where he's supposed to be trying to grab the pillow, but in, like, the purpose, like, doing that, he, like, knocks her out, but then he wakes her up pouring booze into her. So, like, that's how she... As you do. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so then they arrest uh, Morelli. So they are safe now. And she says, you darn fool, you didn't have to knock me out. I knew you could take him, but I wanted to see you do it. <laughs> yeah, all uh, things considered, she takes it pretty well. <laughs> she does. I enjoy how solid their relationships. She knows he didn't do it on purpose. Right, yeah. <laughs> so Nick decides to take the case. Uh, Nunheim is apparently an informant for the police. So Guild, who I guess is like the police chief or like the main detective on the, the case. I don't know exactly what his job title is, but he's the person in, in charge. Um, so Guild and Nick uh, question Nunheim, who is the mystery man, we find out uh, from before. And he doesn't have an alibi for where he was when Julia died. And then he escapes out the window. So then he wants more money to flee town. He calls whoever, you know, would be the mystery person that would be like in charge of it and he wants her money to flee town and then when he goes to the drop to get the money he's shot and killed by the same gun that killed Julia. Mm-hmm. And now also just to create more mystery so we don't know uh, Chris Jorgensen the Cesar Romero the the new husband for Mimi he has mm-hmm. disappeared. Uh, so Dorothy is upset she says that she can't marry Tommy because of all this has happened she just thinks she's you know just from this family of murderers and that they she has like bad genes and so now oh, she right. can't get married <laughs> and her brother tries to comfort her in the worst possible way he's yeah. just too weird to actually comfort his yeah. sister it's like you've only got what is it like one in five and one in four chance of your your offspring also being a murderer yeah so you <laughs> like, could just stop at three kids unless the one is the one that's messed up like so yeah thanks buddy yeah uh, so then Mimi gives the police Wynette's watch chain. So then now the police think that Wynette killed Julia and Nunheim. And then I have the quote written down. It's a dirty trick to bring me. Oh, it's it's from it's it's Nora. So it's a dirty trick to bring me all the way to New York 
to make me to make a widow out of me. <laughs> and he says, "You wouldn't be a widow long. You bet I wouldn't. <laughs> Not with all your money." <laughs> uh, that's right, because he's going out to. Um... Yes. He's on gonna, his own. Not not the smartest, I have to say. <laughs> no, he's going to go to Wynette's sh- workshop to, like, look for clues with mm. Asta. So, of course, he finds a body. And the, there's a, or the, not a body. I guess he finds a skeleton. Right, and that's it's buried ske- under the ground and it's been there for a while. Yes, so the skeleton has been buried with a large suit and a belt buckle with the initial R on it. So now Guild thinks that Wynant has killed three people. Um, this would be another person that he has killed. Um, but Nick thinks that the skeleton is actually Wynant and the clues are planted to just throw the police off. So, of course, Nick decides to throw a dinner party and invite all the suspects. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, but excuse me, he invites all the suspects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Why do they say it like that? I, I don't understand. Maybe that was is how, that how... Is that how people just said it? And <laughs> I wonder if he just said it weird and then they just kept it. <laughs> they say it like three times in that scene. Okay, <laughs> well then... <laughs> then no, that's just the weird way he says it. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so Nick then uh, announces... Um, all the suspects uh, to where he announces to all of them that Wynette didn't kill anyone which they've also just they've created a very nice like party they have little place cards where everybody's gonna sit they have different courses it's all done like very well they forced um, everyone to come by sending people to fetch them <laughs> yeah I think that's practical right if you're all if you're all suspects, then the police are just going to make you all go to this dinner party to reveal yeah. <laughs> who the who the murderer is. But so he says, yes, that uh, Wynette didn't kill anyone, that he's been dead for three months, um, that the murderer killed Wynette and buried his body with a large suit in the belt to throw off the police. The killer murdered Julia and left Wynette's watch chain in her hand to frame him. And the problem is that Newtime saw him and then when Newtime wanted more money, uh, he had to be killed. And then you find out that Macaulay, Wynette's lawyer, murdered him because he confronted him about the bonds. And so it was easier to just kill him. And then he just continued to pretend that he was alive so that he could just keep getting money. So then Macaulay tries to shoot Nick. There's a struggle. Uh, He does not hurt him, though. And then the police take him away. Yay. Yay. And then the very end is like Dorothy and Tommy are now newlyweds on the same train as Nick and Nora going home from their vacation in New York. And everyone is happy. The Yay. end. Yay. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so the film had five sequels, which now they're all rated pretty fresh. So I, I want to watch them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then. So one of the ways that MGM, because they, at first MGM did not want either of the leads to be played by the leads. Oh. They, they just, yeah. So, but one of the ways that they tried to prevent Myrna Loy from being cast was by telling the director that he only could have her if he finished in three weeks. Because they thought like, oh, she won't, there's no way he'll finish the film in, in three weeks and then she'll just have to, to go to make her other film. Uh, but they underestimated him. <laughs> 
And like different reports say, some say he finished in 12 days, some say 14 and some say 16. But either way, like that's a crazy amount of time to make a movie in two weeks. Yeah. So I enjoyed this movie. Yeah, me too. I also, I I knew that um, Frank and Sadie Doyle from the podcast Beyond, or Thrilling Adventure Hour, the, the segment Beyond Belief, I knew that they were based on Nick and Nora, but I had never actually seen any of their movies, so I didn't realize just how much, like, kind of crossover there was there as far as their relationship um, and the love of drinking, of course. Frank and Sadie are basically Nick and Nora in a supernatural universe. <laughs> yes, they're them and they just see ghosts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but also a great podcast if you're looking for other Nick and Nora-esque things. Yes. Okay, should we move on to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Yes. I, I first saw this in the theater. Did you see it when it came out, Casey? I I must have because I, I can't remember seeing it in the theater, but I feel like I must have seen it in the theater because it, it was really good. I know we own it so I get somewhere in here on like DVD and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just remember it as like Robert Downey Jr.'s sort of comeback movie because um, it wasn't like it wasn't like a major production and also Val Kilmer is sort of – you know, he wasn't doing the biggest movies at the time either, so it felt like kind of a a, a resurgence for for, for both, both of them. them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we start. Uh, we open on a small town carnival with sort of like a, a nostalgia filter on, um, and a child magician is doing the saw and half trick with a young girl about his age. Um, as the uh, saw, it's a chainsaw actually, he's coming down. Who yeah. let these children play with this chainsaw? <laughs> but, uh, the chainsaw is coming down, she screams as though she's really being cut, um, and her father runs over. Um, but when he opens the box, she finds out that she's fine, and she uh, proudly declares that she wants to be an actress, and then we get uh, him pulling his hand back as though he's about to backhand her. So some child abuse to uh, <laughs> roll us into the credits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we are introduced to Harry Lockhart, and he's at a Christmas party in Los Angeles. Uh, also at the party is Val Kilmer, um, who is playing the, ca- the character of uh, Harry Van Shrike, a.k.a. Gay Perry. Um, I'll just call him Perry for now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get a flashback as to how Harry arrived at the party in Los Angeles. So he was robbing a toy store uh, in New York, uh, looking for a toy for his nephew for Christmas. When uh, things went wrong and uh, he and his accomplice flee the scene uh, and then his accomplice gets shot uh, as Harry's running from the cops. He uh, sort of ducks into what turns out to be uh, a room where they're holding auditions for a mystery movie. And he sort of has, (laughs) they mistake him for an actor and he has a breakdown while going through the quote unquote audition. And they think he's just like a method actor and <laughs> to bring him out to L.A. Um, to screen test for a part in this major movie. Uh, also at the party is Harmony. And we get a bit of her backstory at this point. Uh, when she was a kid, she was obsessed with these uh, detective books. Um, and she also had an abusive father uh, who was uh, molesting her little sister. Uh, After high school, she left uh, for Los Angeles, where she wanted to become a famous actress so that she could uh, send money back to help her sister. A lot of backstory with all these characters. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, 
at the party, uh, Harmony finds uh, some of the detective books that she liked when she was a kid, these Johnny Gossamer books, and she uh, falls asleep reading them. Harry comes up on a guy who's trying to take advantage of her as she's, you know, uh, passed out. And so he intervenes, and it does not go well for him. <laughs> it is great that he gives this, this, he gives this, like, very, like, hard, like, tough-as-nails speech about, you know... <laughs> Walk away, um, yeah. Yeah, walk away now. <laughs> and then we just cut to him just getting the shit being beat yeah. out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so after this, he uh, is introduced to Perry, um, who is supposed to give him detective lessons uh, to help improve his acting. Um, <laughs> they, we also uh, are introduced as the audience to the party's host, Harlan Dexter, um, and we get a little backstory with him and his his uh, his daughter, which even the narration points out is a little forced at that. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, Harry is narrating the whole thing, by the way, <laughs> from the future. Um. Then uh, Harry uh, talks about uh, Harmony and how she reminds him of, uh, you know, the one that got away when he was in high school and. Uh, Perry knows her uh, because she's worked for him a few times and like doing detective stuff, I guess. Um, yeah, don't really go into detail about that, actually. I'd be curious to know what Harmony had done for Perry in the past. Yeah, I would. I would, too. I guess because there's just so much other stuff in it that they, yeah, they don't need to. Going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he uh, tells Harry where um, he can find Harmony. And uh, then they set up for their detective lessons the next day. So Harry finds Harmony at a bar and starts to chat her up. Uh, her friend comes by and tries to get rid of him. Um, but before he leaves, she sort of clues him into the fact that they actually know each other. They are the kids from the beginning of the movie. He was the magician. She was the girl in the box. Um, and they catch up and they seem to be having a good time and, you know, laughing and chatting and, and stuff. But then cut to the next morning and Harry wakes up in bed, not with Harmony, but with the friend <laughs> because he's a giant dumbass. <laughs> uh, he runs over to Harmony's place and tries to smooth things over with her uh, and she rightfully slams the door in space. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so that night, uh, Harry and Perry go on a stakeout and uh, Perry lets him know that, you know, real life detective work is very boring. He was hired by a woman over the phone. Uh, just to check out this cabin in the woods there in Big Bear. Um, a guy comes out of the cabin and drives away, and they notice that the uh, trunk is riding very low. So they follow him, uh, and then they lose him, but then they see the car fly off of, like, an overpass into a lake. Um, realizing that there's something in the trunk, Perry dies down, and <clears throat> he shoots uh, the trunk open and pulls out a woman's body. Uh, and her neck is broken, but there's also a bullet <laughs> wound now in her head because he he shot the trunk. Um, so uh, <laughs> Harry uh, throws his gun into the lake, and we get um, the first of many great lines. I feel like <laughs> well, yes, it's not even the first. It's just there's so much great banter between these two characters. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's one of the most well-known, which is Harry says, look up the word idiot in the dictionary, and you know, you'll find a picture of me. No, the definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
they also see two guys up on the overpass uh, who were presumably the ones who had sent the car uh, into the lake. So um, Perry drops Harry off, um, but before he can head into his hotel, he gets a call from a detective. It's not about the dead body in the lake, but rather about Harmony, who is dead of apparent suicide. Um, so Harry goes back to his hotel room and, and sort of drinks the night away uh, in despair. But then Harmony shows up at his door, and she's not dead. The dead girl was actually her sister, who had stolen her wallet. Um, and uh, Harmony has heard through the grapevine that Harry is a detective, and she wants to hire him to look into her sister's death, uh, which he agrees to, <laughs> because, again, he's very stupid. <laughs> well, he's in love with her, so he's just going to tell her what he... <laughs> what he needs to to keep hanging around her <laughs> um after harry agrees uh harmy sets out to leave and harry goes to the bathroom where he gets another surprise the dead girl from the lake is now in his bathroom <laughs> hanging out in the shower <laughs> um we get uh, he calls perry to ask him what to do and also if it's a problem that he accidentally peed on the corpse. <laughs> <laughs> no i get to go first i get to ask the question <laughs> Why? Yeah. <laughs> um, Harry tells him to wrap up the body and find the gun that's been planted in his apartment because this is clearly a setup. Um, and Harmony, on her way out of the apartment, sees uh, some cops who are uh, have been called up to Harry's room, so she redirects them to a room two floors down. Um, Perry arrives and he and uh, Harry toss the corpse off the roof <laughs> because it's easier than taking it down, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then they pull the car around to pick it up. Um, the cops show up and they, uh, you know, do the old like kissing to throw off the, the people who are looking for them thing, um, which uh, Harry does not seem to enjoy very much. <laughs> no. But you know what? I got to say, it's a very old trope, the whole like kissing to throw throw off the people thing. Uh, and so I do feel like you have to put a new spin on it if you're going to include it in a movie at this point. It's true. And like, really, that's more like how it should go also, like in real life, whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know, that it's just like, all right, you forced me to kiss you. And now I, I am not happy about it. But they also do that in The Saint, like that Val Kilmer is oh, in. Really? <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, I feel like Elizabeth Shue in that whole movie, though, she just, even though she shouldn't be, and he keeps like screwing her over and he like lied to her, that she's just like so drawn to him no matter what, <laughs> that it's like, all right, well, this is a little more realistic. So... Yeah, it also reminded me of, um, I just watched a community episode where uh, Starburns tries to do it with a girl in the hallway. He's like, kiss me. And she's like, no. <laughs> I'll explain later. And she goes, the explanation isn't the issue. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so they uh, get the girl into the car and they drop her off uh, basically elsewhere on the side of the road. Uh, the next day, uh, Harmony has a meeting with Harry where he, uh, where she gives him some information about her sister. Um, she says that when her sister was little, uh, she was trying to comfort her, and she told her that her real father was the actor who played Johnny Gossamer in the movie crew that came through their town because the Johnny, Go Johnny Gossamer movie was uh, filmed in their town. Uh, and so she thinks that her sister came to Los Angeles to find him. Uh, and... Uh, 
we also get a, a great cutaway in the scene to Harry taking notes, which is just a little cartoon cat that he's yeah. found that says, Gato. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> then uh, they uh, watch the news, and uh, the body has been found, and it is apparently Harlan uh, Dexter's daughter, the guy who was hosting the movie at the beginning. Sorry, hosting the party at the beginning <laughs> of the movie. Um, his daughter, Veronica Dexter. Um, so uh, things are getting pretty dicey, and Perry wants Harry to leave, leave town um, because he's worried that something bad will happen to him. He says that the the murderers of, uh, of uh, Veronica's daughter were at the party, and that's how they knew who Harry was. Um so Harry doesn't want to leave because he's still got a screen test and uh, Perry lets them know that he was just being used to shave a few million dollars off of Colin Farrell's price tag um, by talking up this new talent in town, basically. Um, and also that he filled in harmony on the fact that Harry's not actually a detective, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, they have a little tiff and it's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite part is uh, when they're sort of... Uh, you know, uh, slapping each other and, and uh, Harry knocks Perry's sunglasses onto the ground and he just says, pick him up. Pick him <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, and they leave with a uh, Merry Christmas, sorry I fucked you over. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry is uh, at the airport when he sees Harmony's friend Flicka, who works as a stewardess. He uh, manages to sweet talk his way into her giving him uh, Harmony's number as she's looking it up, she realizes that it's under her stage name, Allison Ames, which is the same name as the woman who hired Perry to stake out the cabin uh, earlier in the movie. So uh, Harry heads off and calls Perry to let him know that his case and Perry's case are the same fucking case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he goes by Harmony's place to let her know what's going on, but she's still pissed at him for lying about you know, being a detective, and she slams the door uh, in his face and on his hand when, and accidentally cuts off his finger. Uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then <laughs> uh, she drops him off to get his finger at the hospital to get his finger reattached and then heads off to uh, work uh, a party um, where she's, I don't know, which is she a waitress? Is she just being a hot girl at the party, maybe? <laughs> I kind of thought she was just hired to be like a hot girl at the party. Okay. Like like for atmosphere in like a little, you know, Santa, like Miss, it's not really like Santa, it's not really Mrs. Claus, but like Christmassy outfit, you know, with like the white fur and the red, yeah. Yeah, it's like the um, the outfits that the mean girls wear. Yes, Christmas yes, clothes. that's exactly what it is, yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, so... Oh, Harry goes by the party, which is just an insane party, by the way. Like, I don't know that parties like this really exist. Maybe they do. And I, I've just never, I mean, we've lived in Los Angeles for a while. I feel like we would have known somebody who knew somebody who was invited to something like this at one point. But Yeah, you'd think eventually Rachel would have wound up at one of yeah. these weird, like, <laughs> people are acting out sex in a box, sort yeah. of. <laughs> in, like, weird, parties. like, uh winter animal costumes like <laughs> dressed as deer and <laughs> yeah with like body paint on and stuff i don't know it's 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 wild <laughs> yes <laughs> what? 
Oh, he was saying that Phil's probably been to one of these parties. Yeah, so we'll have to we'll have to text Phil afterwards. Because if there is one, he's been to one. So we will find out later if they happen. <laughs> anyway, Harmony has gotten a copy of the uh, Johnny Gossamer movie, an old VHS copy of it. Um, so they're going to check it out to see who the actor is. We uh, get in this scene uh, also one of the, <laughs> the most, uh, I'd say... Um, uh, not original gay jokes, <laughs> which is that Perry knows the stars of Xanadu, but <laughs> um, then they put in the tape and they see that uh, Johnny Gossamer is played by Harlan Dexter. So um, this is how we're, we're learning that the, the whole thing has been sort of uh, tied together with uh, Harmony's sister uh, came to LA to find her supposed real father, and so she uh, went to find Harlan Dexter. And um, they think that she somehow stumbled onto the plot to murder his daughter at this point. Uh, Perry, once again, is trying to get Harry and <laughs> Harmony to stay out of the case because it is dangerous. Um, I don't know how many times he does that in this movie, actually. <laughs> it seems like every opportunity he's just like, please stop playing detective. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess you would be. I mean, if it starts off with you are framed for murder, that they can find your hotel and put a dead body in it and plant a gun on it. It's like, I, that's a really strong first warning. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And we also get another favorite line of mine. Harry says, what do you think? I'm stupid. And he says, I think you wouldn't know where to feed yourself if you didn't flap your mouth so much. Yes. I think you're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) So before Harry can leave the party, he's accosted by two henchmen uh, who can't quite get their banter down. But um, <laughs> they uh, Harry realizes that they're the two guys from the lake that they saw. Uh, they rough him up a little. They tear his newly attached finger off. <laughs> and they tell him to get out of town. <laughs> uh, so uh, Harmony is giving Harry a ride back to the hospital to get his finger re- re-reattached, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um when she spots the two thugs uh, driving ahead of her and she sees that they're on their way to uh, where Perry is currently on a stakeout. So uh, she realizes that the the stakeout is a setup for Perry. uh, And so she starts following them despite Harry's protest that he needs to get to the hospital to get (laughs) reattached. Um, (laughs) Perry is uh, at MacArthur Park following a pink haired girl around. Um, As Harmony's trying to catch up to him, one of the, uh, henchman uh captures her and uh those they have a bit of a tussle but harmony gets the upper hand but does not kill him um and then the other thug is um following perry in a car and um uh harmony manages to warn him in time uh and her like gun goes off and and the the thug in the car drives off the road uh, and uh, into a food truck, and the man in the food truck shoots him. <laughs> he also has a gun. Everybody yeah. has a gun <laughs> in the scene. Yeah. Um, but the feet haired girl flees, and she finds Harmony's uh, car left unattended uh, and uses it to drive away with Harry, unknowingly with Harry uh, passed out in the backseat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry wakes up in an unfamiliar house. Uh, he hears people coming, so he hides under a bed. And uh, the pink-haired girl comes in um, with uh, the 
uh, one henchman, the one who Harmony couldn't kill. Uh, and uh, he seems to be listening to her concerns about uh, how dangerous this has gotten. Now, she didn't sign up for it, but then he shoots her in the head. Or not in the head, in the chest, I think. Um, because she's technically still alive when she falls down. And she sees, sees Harry as uh, she's dying, and it's very... It's a little, it's a little affecting. I gotta say, it's a pretty rough death to for Harry to witness. Yeah. Um. So then, uh, he comes out from under the bed and sees that the gun is still there on the bed, and he picks it up. And as when the henchman comes back in, he shoots. Him. He just yeah, like she dies, and he just immediately gets out from under the bed, and like you yeah. know that the murderer would be there, and then he just freezes, and it takes like a minute. <laughs> for the murderer to realize that he's just standing there looking at him yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like it, it's funny because the the uh, henchman clearly does not perceive his harry of harry as a threat even though no. he's holding a gun yeah, he's just no. like oh look at the tough guy with a gun and then it's like you just murdered a girl in front of him so yeah he's gonna shoot you <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yes, we get uh, several shots into the henchman, and then he falls back into a glass table, Heather style. Um, good for Harry. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so then Harry um, <laughs> still has his finger detached, so he puts it on ice in a dog bowl. Why did you choose a dog bowl, Harry? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then a dog comes up and uh, grabs the finger out of the bowl, of course, because it's food time. Um, <laughs> so Harry calls uh, Perry uh, and lets him, you know, fills him in on everything that's happened. And Perry tells him to get the finger, kill the dog, which Perry, no. <laughs> no. Um, but it's okay because the dog eats the finger. <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> so then the kidnappers are all dead. Uh, the case seems to be pretty much wrapped up, but Harmony still wants to look into it. There are sort of unanswered questions about Harlan uh, and his daughter and Harmony's sister. Um. <laughs> Perry once again tells them to stop looking into it. <laughs> so Harry and Harmony seem to seem to listen, actually, this time. They have a few drinks, um, and then they go back to Harry's uh, bedroom. Uh, Harmony is a little chipsy, and as she's undressing, Harry recalls that um uh when he when they were uh with veronica's corpse his, his her, her dead body uh she wasn't wearing any underwear um which is odd because she was supposed to be this sort of born again christian um because she had had uh, a falling out with her father and then after her born againness they uh, reconciled and made up um but he puts it on the back, in the back of his mind, and uh, he and Harmony are uh, about to hook up when she confesses that she slept with Harry's best friend in high school, so he gets pissed and kicks her out of the apartment. <laughs> yeah, their story of getting together is just a series of them slamming doors in each other's faces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's nice that he got to do it to her for once, I guess. <laughs> no, it's true, yeah. I do also have to give Michelle Monaghan props because uh, when she's... The, when she's they're arguing at the doorway and uh uh you know she's talking about like why she hooked up with his best friend she goes he looked sad yeah. <laughs> she says this look on, his face, on her face like <laughs> what did you expect me to do <laughs> which i feel like would be almost the reverse and that would be like a guy because it's like that is a terrible reason yeah. <laughs> to sleep with someone 
and just like he looked sad yeah <laughs> but then uh as she's leaving she recalls uh what harry said about uh veronica's underwear and she calls to make sure that she hadn't been raped which she had not been um so then later uh carrie wakes harry up to tell her that harmony was onto something and now she's missing um and Harry tells him the detail about the underwear, and uh, he realizes what is going on, and he takes them to a mental health clinic. Um, and they realize that the daughter had been held here because none of the patients wear underwear. Um, and so basically there was a real daughter who was being held at this clinic, basically imprisoned at this clinic, uh, and that the daughter who was out in public was a ringer. And they think that the ringer was Harmony's sister who showed up to town looking for her father. And so, you know, makes sense. And then uh, outside of the clinic, they're held up um, by a guy with a gun, uh, who was presumably also the guy who was keeping uh, the real Veronica hostage in this in this mental health clinic. And this is maybe my favorite scene. Of the whole <laughs> <laughs> Just every line is gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First you had like Perry gets snarky with the guy. And so he... He smacks Harry upside the head. And Harry's like, what? He's the one who said it. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, as he's holding them uh, with the gun against their, their back, Harry like gets the gun away from him. And so they now the, the, you know, the situation is reversed. And so Harry knocks him upside the head with the gun and says, doesn't that suck? I just hit you for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we've also got, sorry, I just have to go through all of them. Oh, no, it's fine. I have like a section of it written down too, but I know you're going to say it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Perry says, I want you to picture a bullet inside your head. <laughs> and the guy says, fuck you. Anyway, that's ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> and Harry goes, you know, and he's right. It's like, do you want me to in the picture a, a bullet, like a bullet in his head or a bullet inside his head? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then... Um, to get the guy to, to talk, uh, Harry decides to basically play Russian roulette with him. He puts one bullet in his gun, and <laughs> he's trying to get him to tell them where Harmony is. And uh, <laughs> he uh, loads the gun and then shoots a round off, and it is the round with the bullet. And so now the guy is dead. <laughs> and he says, Harry says, you put a live round in that gun? And Harry says... Well, there was like an 8% chance. Yeah. <laughs> Who taught you that? Yeah. It's all gold, basically. Yes. <laughs> um, so then immediately after that, Harmony calls. <laughs> and she's fine. Um, <laughs> I also love during, during while talking with Harmony, <laughs> Perry says, stop multiplying to Harry, who's still trying to figure out the odds. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, so she's fine. She had just been off, uh, working for the afternoon and so she couldn't check her phone. Um, <laughs> so they, uh, they cover up the body that they've now killed. Um, uh, but before they can leave, they are once again held up this time by Harlan himself, uh, and, uh, one of his thugs and, um, uh, Perry's, uh, phone rings, uh, and, uh, the thug is, is trying to throw it to Harlan when Harry intercepts and um, uh, tells uh, Harmony that they're in trouble. But they don't realize it's Harmony, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So then we have the torture scene. 
uh, Harry and Perry are getting tortured uh, <laughs> with, like, in the worst possible way, really, that I imagine for a man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Some sort of electric shock to the balls, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But... Uh, Perry manages to take the guy out with a tiny gun that he keeps near his dick. <laughs> As you do. And, <laughs> uh, and then Harmony has been sent by Perry off to um, make sure that the that Veronica's body isn't cremated because there's uh, still evidence. Um, and uh, she sees uh, a bunch of the henchmen moving the body into a van. And so she hijacks the van with the casket inside. And the, the van doors, like, swinging, are still swinging open. Um, uh, so Harry and Perry have gotten away at this point, and they're on their way to meet with Harmony. Um, and she's in a chase. Then there's a car crash. Harmony uh, is uh, sort of, she gets out of the, the van unscathed, but then she uh, falls, like, over, a, like, a highway overpass uh, and uh, falls sort of mostly unconscious. And the uh, casket is flung from the van (laughs) out onto, like, the highway sign over an overpass. I'm not describing it right, but. (laughs) (laughs) And the door opens and the dead girl's uh, arm is hanging limp from from the casket. Um, Just a a series of events that's that's all culminating and and, uh, it's uh, a lot going on. So then there's a shootout (laughs) uh, with Harry and Perry there. Uh, Perry ends up taking a bullet for Harry, and uh, they both fall to the ground. It, it like goes through Perry and into Harry, um, like on on their the left side of their chest. Um, <clears throat> uh, just when all hope is lost, uh, Harmony managed to get her phone out and call uh, Harry, and uh, and he's he's reinvigorated by her uh, cry for help, basically. <laughs> So he gets up, he grabs Perry's gun. Um, Harlan's on his way to basically run Harry over. <laughs> and so Harry uh, jumps over the highway overpass and uh, only doesn't die by grabbing onto the dead girl's arm that's hanging from the casket. <laughs> he shoots Harlan uh, and then falls down onto a car full of henchmen and shoots all of them too. And it's over, Captain Fucking Magic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he makes his way over to Harmony, and uh, we get a nice little moment where uh, she's worried because he's been shot in the chest, and he says, "No, look!" And he pulls out the Johnny Gossamer book, uh, and she thinks that it stopped the bullet, but actually, there's a hole in the book, and it's, it's the bullet is actually in his chest. <laughs> so then he passes out. <laughs> Uh, so Harry wakes up in the hospital, Harmony's there, she's fine, and then Perry, uh, rolls in on a wheelchair, he's alive too, yay! Yay! <laughs> yay, friendship! <laughs> um, and we get, uh, a rundown, Harmony's sister, uh, had come to town seeking out Harlan, um, but the fake daughter that he had was actually the pink-haired girl. Uh, who was also in a relationship with Harlan. So then Harmony's sister had seen Harlan and what appeared to be his daughter in bed together and was so upset by it that she killed herself. And she had hired Perry uh, to go to the cabin uh, to catch incest, not a murder. It is solved. Uh, We get a scene where uh, everybody goes um, to uh, Harmony's sister's funeral and Perry slaps around 
uh, her abusive father. Uh, <laughs> why not, you know? <laughs> and uh, flash forward, and it looks like Harry is now working for Perry in uh, Los Angeles, so they'll get to go on many cases together. And fiend. <laughs> It is a really fun movie, and I, I enjoy it every time I watch. Uh, you know, some of the gay jokes maybe haven't aged as well, <laughs> even just in the, like, 15 years or so since yeah. the movie came out. Yeah, um, um, But they're not all bad, and Perry, I think, is, is largely a character who uh, defies, like, gay stereotypes, so I, I think that's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And also uh, doesn't die in the end, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, like the Thin Man, I think a lot of the appeal of this movie is just in the banter between these these two uh, characters at the center of it, the like detective characters at the center of it. Yeah, um, there's maybe quite not quite as much love between Harry and Perry throughout most of this movie, but I think there is by the end. <laughs> yeah, I think that they at least like each other. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. All right, should we talk about some food? Yeah. All right. So. A lot of alcohol in The Thin mm-hmm. Man. So we have like martinis. Both movies, really. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I feel like you could have like a very similar menu for this. Like the yeah. just really go together. Um, so yeah, I have martinis. I have scotch. I have a flock of sandwiches that she orders. And then at one point he is ordering. And it's set up, I, I guess, because they're like at a hotel. So it's just like room service. So they're not right, making yeah. anything. They're just ordering stuff all the time. So he says lots of onions and coffee. I wrote that down too because gross. <laughs> like, what are you ordering? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, and then I have fish. Uh, yeah. So there's not like a ton of food. It's mostly booze. And so for the movie I made since it's Christmas time, I did a Christmas martini. And I did a little, for a flock of sandwiches, I did little like chicken pesto open-faced sandwiches that you could serve at a party. But it's a flock of sandwiches and a Christmas martini. I also think it would be cute because um, there is so much of an emphasis on a dog. Kind of like the Nightmare Before Christmas, you could make dog biscuits for your dog companion and you could shape them like little martini glasses (laughs) so yeah so that's the food that i have okay so yeah kiss kiss bing bing not a lot of food in the movie um mostly alcohol uh (laughs) there is uh you know uh you could get maybe a german beer because harmony was in a Gennaro's beer commercial uh, as an actress yeah (laughs) with the cgi bear um <laughs> he sucks the heads off fish he sucks the heads off fish and uh, similarly you could make fish i guess yeah um uh yeah all i could figure was i did find a cocktail uh called the detective um oh. which is basically like an old-fashioned with um it's like bourbon uh simple syrup bitters and coffee liqueur and uh espresso in it so if you wanted, you could make those. Um, uh, the only other thing I could think of was, uh, you know, again, we have a finger that's being eaten. So, you know, we, you've already made edible fingers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that could be, you know, some, some edible, uh, yeah, some finger cookies maybe. Or um, I've, always, I've always wanted to make maybe like a marshmallow finger. Maybe one of these days I'll do it. Like just... Just for the realism of it, maybe put some pretzel sticks inside to sort of <laughs> mm-hmm. 
really sell, you know, the bones crunching. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I'd say, I'd say maybe just stick to the booze because uh, it, it'll go well with these movies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It will. All right. Okay. Do you want to tell people where they can find us and what the theme is for the next episode? Yes. So you can find us on Instagram at movie underscore matchup. Uh, you can also find some of our recipes on sugarednerd.com. And uh, please tune in next time for uh, our double feature that will be themed A Dish Best Served with Bullets. Yay! Yay! All right. And until next time, <laughs> thanks for coming. Please stay for the end credits. If you're wondering who the best boy is, it's somebody's nephew. Don't forget to validate your parking. And to all the good people in the Midwest, sorry we said fuck so much. <laughs>